say have made made all these mistakes before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, let's get going. Um, so hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Chatter. Today, I am delighted to be joined by Ali from Trading Secrets, the YouTube channel, um, an investor in MMTLP, um, former investor in NVIDIA, having uh, just fold, sold for a tidy profit. And yeah, I'm sure numerous other stocks, many of which we may mention today. So uh, welcome to the show, man. Yeah, thank you very much, Josh. Uh, very pleased to have you on. And uh, I think you did a great job earlier in your video with the bird lady. And I think since that previous video, there a lot has happened. Uh, I'm not going to say it's all positive. Um, it has been challenging. It has been uh, difficult. And it's still a story that is ongoing. Uh, the story hasn't ended. And we are in uh, currently uh, a process that is still developing uh but most of the people on board we we are very very quietly confident that we will get a resolution and hopefully very very soon yeah yeah i mean it, the story i so if anyone wants to go back and just listen to the episode yeah. i did with with um the bird lady but um for people who maybe don't have that time or did and would like their memory jog do you want to give us like a tldr of what happened in the mmtlp story sort of maybe up to the point where they withdrew it from trading and cancelled the last two trading days and then we can move from from there forwards after that yeah so prior to that it was obviously it was um brought nefariously onto the market by um two market makers with um uh, finra as well so the, the, there was a finra involvement as well and the two two market makers the uh, one of them was uh, gts and we have a named individual by ari rubenstein as well uh, this was done without company permission and uh, john burda has publicly stated that uh, they had no involvement in that however finra ignored his uh, request and uh, statements and claims that this is something that should not have happened but uh, i think finra were quite dismissive of that. Uh, so it traded, I think, for over a year, uh, well over a year, and, um, you know, fairly stable, fairly not much movement in price. At the very, very early stages, uh, there was uh, quite a bit, a bit of volatility. A lot of people didn't know what was going on and what, what it meant. I think even John Berda said he got a phone call saying there's something trading called MMTLP. Nobody knew what the hell it was. I think one of the first uh, prominent people that I'm aware of who was found out about it was uh, Terry, um, you know, from um, uh, the, the the YouTube channel, uh, Terry Terry Stonker, and he he is the one who invested in it. And I think it was just a few cents, and then it shot up, and then it, it became quite stable. Um, and then obviously we we had the the spin-off dates. We had the the dates where we were supposed to get um, completion. We were supposed to get uh, one share of MMTLP in return for one share of Nextbridge Hydrocarbons. Mm -hmm. uh, I think one of the misconceptions is that many people invested only for a squeeze, uh, which is not really true. And many people invested for uh, Nextbridge Hydrocarbons for the assets. As, and um, I'm sure you know that Nextbridge Hydrocarbons is an oil and company, oil and gas exploration company with also significant assets in water as well. Uh, so the squeeze was just something that that was uh, something that developed because of the situation with regard to the the shorting, and the shorting is something that uh, you know that we we know that it was also something that carried on from metamaterials uh, and torchlight 
because obviously they never previously closed their positions, so they had to exit. We know that obviously securities legislation is, requires all shorts to close their positions with infinite loss. Uh, so that's what investors were expecting, and there were millions of shorts. And that's where, you know, you could say the, the, the squeeze um, uh, side of things came onto it. And then we did get a lot of attention from other retail investors. Many, many of them actually invested every single penny of um, uh, of their savings into it, which is obviously never uh, correct financial advice uh, i'm as you know based in the uk and i was not we were never able to buy more i certainly would have bought more but i only had my legacy shares in um mmtlp so mm -hmm. uh, i was there obviously as an investor but not um an additional buyer so that that that's what happened and then obviously we run up to um the u3 halt uh, just to get up to date with that 9th of december uh, this was something that was issued by FINRA. So they cited um, reasons in terms of uncertainty in the clearing and settlement process. Uh, and what iron ironically, what by them uh, ha having the U3 halt, they have created the biggest amount of uncertainty they've probably ever seen in terms of uh, how it panned out. Nobody knows if they've got real shares. Nobody knows um, if um, there's any value. Nobody knows if their shares are synthetic. And uh, also, nobody has, well, the not nobody, but the, the vast majority of investors have not received uh, MMTLP, Nextbridge Hydrocarbons shares, in um, which was the um, dividend. The dividend was never a cash dividend. It was always, always a dividend uh, for an exchange of MMTLP for Nextbridge Hydrocarbon private shares. So many investors were happy to receive that. We knew that it's going to be a private company. It's not going to be publicly traded. But um, people had some faith in the market. They expected uh, the shorts to close because we, uh, if we read the uh, you know the securities legislation, it states that brokers will close on their behalf if they do not close. So they they so it was a case of well, even if the shorts don't close, the brokers are required to close their positions. So if millions of shorts are closing their positions, then it, the inevitable is a short squeeze. Um, that that is the inevitable, and obviously. 165 million shares approximately, so it's a low flow, and um, the, the squeeze was more or less inevitable. Uh, and in one of the research that I carried out in one of my videos, not sure if you saw it, there was a stock called DGAZF, and this was also a gas company, I think it was an ETF, and that uh, ran from around about $150 to well in excess of $25,000. In that particular example, uh, FINRA also called a U3 halt. However, they called it after the squeeze. Um, so uh, that stopped trading, and it was also with a U3 halt. So this time, obviously, they called the halt before the squeeze. So there were two days of trading left. Those two days of trading never happened. So uh, contractually, and uh, obviously based on what the reason why people invested, was for those two days of trading. So everybody was denied two days of trading, which is, uh, well, let's think about who's benefited and who's lost. So all of retail have lost, and who's benefited is every single short position because A, they don't have to pay any tax. B, they can keep all the profit, especially uh, if they're not required to uh, close their positions. 
And um, it's also something that um, they, they can use an excuse of the U3 halt. Uh, and the brokers never required them to to close. So that's what um, people are, are worried about in terms of, well, why were the brokers not involved in helping them close their positions? Because uh, surely that's the, a requirement of a broker. That's what, what what their job is to ensure all shorts close their positions. Otherwise, you, you have failed to deliver. So, um, and then obviously... Uh, I'm not sure in, in terms of a timeline when you spoke to the bird lady where where, where the process was up to um, in terms of uh, after the U3 halt. But again, there was a lot of things going on at, at that time. Yeah, okay. So um, essentially, there was a massive amount of short positions. There was going to yeah. be two days more trading that, were, that was meant to happen um, in contract and um, legally by the laws of yeah the market. And yeah. they didn't do that, basically. So, no. um, and I know recently they put out a statement, didn't they, that that said, um, yeah. that sort of like laid out why they why that wasn't. But but I didn't quite understand what what their argument was. Like, do, could could you, could you like explain maybe just uh, like what what they why they said the final two days didn't happen? Um, well, obviously. Um, this is one of the issues that we uh, as investors have been asking for. So what we are asking for is clarity in the reason. So I think you, uh, what they uh, have is uh, they've just worded um, something which is um, quite subjective, quite vague, and that is uh, just using using the, the, the terminology uncertainty in the clearing and settlement process. So uh, they believe what, what, you know, if you interpret it that, that it basically means, well, we, we did it to, because uh, you know the the shares wouldn't have settled, but there was a very very simple solution, and the very they they believed that you know that there would not have been settlement in the two days, and that's why they stopped the final two days of trading. But there was a very simple solution: rather than stop the two days of trading, they could have actually added two more days of trading on to make sure everything settled, everything closed, and then we would have had. had you know, certainty. We would have had every single short position closed. So their reason was two days is not enough. So because it's not enough, we are closing this right now to prevent chaos. But ironically, they created chaos and the very simple solution was add two more trades days on. If you believe it can't settle settle in the two days, just add add two more days onto the date. Uh, so go up till the 14th of December rather than the 12th, but they chose not to do that. Uh, and I think what everybody, the, the current campaign is is release the blue sheets, and that is a campaign to find out uh, what happened, why it happened, what the data is, how many shares there are. Uh, I'm not sure you, you're aware of the legal campaigns. There's currently five legal campaigns that I'm aware of, and that is to find out exactly why they did the whole and why um, they they did what they did. So you, we have Mark Basile, uh, we have Ro uh, Richard Hoffman, we have Rosa, we have Hans of Steel, and we have uh, uh, Elaine Hensley. So these are all ongoing current legal cases. Uh, none of them have been uh, uh, carried out in terms of uh, being completed. So there are still um, obviously arguments to be presented in each one of those cases so it's something that is building I believe there are other cases as well so all it takes is is one victory in one of these cases and I think um, uh, it will be a case of obviously you know the straw that breaks the camel's back and it, uh, Pandora's box could be open yeah. um, because uh, 
if you think about it, let's think about it logically. What have FINRA now got to lose if they just release the data? I mean, uh, what you know, it's not no longer trading, uh, and all we're asking for is is the data, uh, freedom. And the 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 funny thing with FINRA is um, uh, is having done lots of research on them, they're a self regulatory organisation. They're funded primarily by the brokers and dealers. And uh, they claim not to be um, subject to the Freedom of Information Act. So it's uh, a little so, and they also claim to have uh, legal immunity and absolute legal immunity. So it's a case of they're kind of behaving like a law unto themselves. So uh, this is something um, which is um, a problem because of things like conflicts of interest, because the brokers and dealers are funding FINRA, and then FINRA are, are supposedly. Uh, kind of, um, you know, uh, keeping an eye on the brokers and dealers and regulating the broker dealers. So you pay them, you pay FINRA the money, and then they regulate you. Uh, so I, one question I think I'd like to ask is how many brokers and dealers have been shut down by FINRA mm-hmm. um, because of naked shorting, because of synthetic shares, because of uh, failed to deliver? We know it's a huge, huge problem going back years and years. Even Elon Musk was was talking about this in one of his very famous tweets. Uh, so it's a problem that is, uh, in this particular case, is is something that has hit everybody very, very hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, my understanding is that FINRA has legal immunity because, yeah. they, because they're kind of acting on behalf of the government as a regulatory agency, and therefore they have the immunity because they because even though because they're a private organization they could be sued so without the immunity the the argument is that all of the institutions that they're regulating would just sue them for like mm-hmm. i don't know loss of business for due to them being regulated but mm-hmm. but that seems like a really horrible horrible like weird like gray area where yeah. a private institution can have government like legal immunity that seems really yeah, I, I, my understanding of the Freedom of Information Act is all government organisations are subject to the Freedom of Information Act. Mm-hmm. However, FINRA is self-regulatory, although it's supervised and it, re- it reports to the SEC. So the SEC is subject to the Freedom of Information Act, and that's why we where we have had a breakthrough. So there have been some emails released under the Freedom of Information Act by a few of the investors, I believe, and these have re- re- um, revealed some email correspondence between FINRA and the SEC showing that they knew exactly what was going on, what was happening. And they almost they they knew the MMTLP story and, and what they, they, they knew it was going to be a, a huge problem. Uh, in terms of the immunity for FINRA, this is something that they do have. I think allegedly, let's say they do have an immunity with regard to uh, financial claims. However, they don't have immunity with regard to, uh, let's call it nefarious actions. So Rose's case, for example, is not a claim for damages. It's not a claim for money. It is a claim for correcting a wrong, so a wrong action, which is something that, um, so she's not asking them for money, and they don't have legal immunity for that. So there has been precedent in previous cases, and that's why the judge has just allowed, in Rose's case, her to amend her case to present more arguments and if they if they did have complete immunity that case would have been dismissed it hasn't been dismissed 
and she has been given an additional chance to present more information. So they do not have immunity against irregular actions. So um, the U3 halt, we believe, was not uh, in the interest of retail investors. Yeah. So I've pulled it up here. Uh, yeah. Just, just, um, I'm just looking for some stuff to basically to confirm what you're saying. I'm not, not yeah. that I don't believe you, but I like to pull up yeah, the sources. Yeah, sure. so, um, the emails reveal conversations between Sam Drady, uh, yeah. senior vice president of FINRA, and an unidentified SEC representative, um, yeah. indicating that FINRA was aware of the fraud and counterfeit shares occurring in the security, but allowed yeah. it to trade for over a year. Wow, wow, yeah. wow. You, yeah, yeah. It's just like very, you said, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It says That's Congress right, yeah. is currently investigating it. Really? Is that true? Yeah. Well, allegedly. Now, uh, this is another problem that we have. Um, uh, we also have data showing that, um, you know, in terms of the donations uh, Congress received from hedge funds, it is, I think, going, possibly going in the hundreds of thousands of dollars to tens of thousands of dollars to uh, probably the vast majority of congressmen. So they are reluctant to officially speak out. We have uh, confirmation that every single person, in in my opinion, every single person in Congress knows about MNTLP. However, it has become such a problem that I think uh, they're very, very careful and very worried about speaking about it in public. So uh, will you? I'm not sure if you're aware of the... Uh, presentation uh, I think that took place a few days ago uh, from James Angel at Georgetown University to Congress about MMTLP. No, I'm not. Please okay, so enlighten this, me. This, yeah, this was something that took place a few days ago. And uh, so James Angel is from Georgetown University. So just today, if you go into my uh, Twitter history, uh, uh, you'll see that I've just covered some from today mr james angel and what i've discovered is he represents james angel is a professor at georgetown university and he represents the university however in carrying out some due diligence and 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 research today i just discovered that finra have an institute at georgetown university and in this institute surprise surprise james angel is a director so he is directly is uh, paid by finra uh, so, therefore, we now have a very, very significant conflict of interest because he's being paid by FINRA as a director, and it's all been proven with website links, with images uh, in my tweet. Yeah, I'm sure I'm uh, showing it on screen here for people um, who, yeah, yeah, who are watching. Yeah. And um, what the situation is now, I have just called out James Dill in a previous tweet uh, probably, and I featured this in a video. I've identified ten critical mistakes that James Angel made in this presentation to Congress. He also used one of my video thumbnails without my permission, which obviously is a breach of copyright. However, I'm, I'm willing to forgive him for that <laughs> if he comes to the table and and just speaks to us. That's that's all we want. Come and have a discussion. Um, you know, I'm I'm not going to take you to court for breach of copyright. Although, as a professor. You should be aware that Harvard referencing system requires you to uh, quote all your sources and where you got your images from. Um, uh, you know, that's just bog standard. If it was a, a student at university not following the Harvard re referencing system, that student would be disciplined. However, Mr. James Angel, um, as far as I'm aware, failed to um, 
identify a source, which was my thumbnail. Uh, however, there were many, many other significant mistakes, and I've identified 10 of those mistakes in um, one of my tweets. Uh, James Angel, I've, I've tagged him in and I've asked him, look, I am prepared to remove one, two, three, or all of them. Just tell me which one is wrong and I'll remove it. But he has not responded. He did respond to uh, a person called Red ED, and he, Red ED, identified a slide that was was wrong, but it was wrong in humour and in sarcasm. However, James Angel didn't recognise the sarcasm. He thought it was a legitimate claim for his slide. So then he, he replied and he said, please remove this. You're claiming it's mine. It's not mine. He says, yeah, I know, but it was kind of uh, sarcastically done. But he didn't, he didn't understand the sarcasm. However, for me, he's not responded whatsoever. Uh, and I think the reason why he's not responded is because all my claims, I think, are factual. And there were factual errors, which you can't deny. He's got things like, you know, the final price was $2. It was $2.90. He's talked about a trading. It should have traded on, uh, people wanted to sell on a Sunday. Well, the stock market doesn't actually operate on a Sunday. Uh, only crypto <laughs> operates on a Sunday. So, I mean, this is a professor with an MBA, PhD, CFA, etc., And he's, got, he's making huge, huge mistakes. He also called, you know, investors naive and, uh, you know, not aware of the market, words to that effect. So um, uh, the the huge conflict of interest is something that I think, because when he went to present to Congress, he did not disclose, as far as I'm aware, his association with FINRA, which is a paid association, because yeah. he was there to present everything impartially. And that was not done. And that has just, I've just uncovered that today. Yeah, yeah, I'm just I'm I'm pulling up some stuff yeah. on on Twitter here about it as you're talking. Yeah. This is fascinating. Yes, um, yeah, yeah, so it seems it seems like you're right. Like he didn't he he hadn't declared this. Um No, no. And and yeah, I pulled up your tweets as well, uh which yeah. is like it's all there in black and white. Like I mean, he, he yeah. the yeah, academic director for the FINRA Institute at Georgetown's yeah. certified regulatory and compliance professional program. Um yeah. I mean it's a recurring yeah. theme. This is, isn't it? Yeah. It's in, and it's not just in, in finance, but particularly in the world of finance where like the people, the people put, or the people presenting themselves as the independent, like reporters or regulators or, you know, independent yeah. voices are, are just in the pockets of the institutions that they're meant to be protecting or sorry, Correct. regulating yeah. and the people yes, and yes, the, yes. the investors that they're meant to be protecting and the, you know, the free market, quote unquote, that they're meant to be yeah. upholding. Uh, it's, yeah, yeah. it's wild. Well, this is in black and white. This is, this is there. It's in black and white. It's on the FINRA website. Uh, you know, they're quoting, quoting George. So I, I think the university now need to take some responsibility about this because his words, his actions, his presentation is basically going to pro possibly result in, you know, a negative impact on the investors. He could have said, mm. Uh, he could have spoken in favour of the retail investors to say, look, they were uh, subject to market manipulation. They were subject to naked shorting. They were subject to, you know, uh, trading rules which were not followed. Uh, if the shorts closed their positions as was required contractually, um, you know, the they, they, they would not have been an issue. Um, he's, he's not really explained why the U3 halt. Um, and uh, why why it was used and why we need the blue sheet data. Um, so we're, we're, we're just asking for clarity. We're asking for answers. I believe they'll come because the lawsuits are, build, are building up. It just takes one judge 
to to obviously um, give, grant that. And once that happens, I think uh, everything is going to be wide open. It, it could be a game changer. There are there is speculation behind the scenes right now that we could be close to a deal. Uh, again, it's pure speculation, not official, and nobody's gonna nobody's going to say, "Look, uh, quote me on this or quote me on that." It's just at the moment rumors, reading between the lines. But we do believe we are close. Um, however, I think the pain for investors is real. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not sure if you had a chance to look at some of the community websites. We have, mm-hmm. you know, fairmarketsnow.com. We have mmtlpresources.com. Yeah. We also have mmtlpstudios.com, which is a, a result of all the investors' personal stories, which I think hits people uh, more. Uh, people who don't know about trading, they they hear the stories. Uh, and that that's something that will, can can obviously get some empathy. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm sorry. I have half. I have half of these websites open yeah. right now on screen. I'm, I'm like pulling. Yeah, yeah. Like whenever, whenever you're saying stuff, that's what I'm doing. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm pulling yeah, stuff yeah. up for for people to look mm-hmm. at. Um, it's it's really so. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully, one of these um, lawsuits um, yeah. provides. Yeah, gets to discovery. Um, yeah. So. Which so I've I've heard about Rose's lawsuit when because yeah. I covered that um with with yeah. um Bird Lady Roller Pigeons um, yeah so what about the other lawsuits like what so she's going specifically that she's suing in order to get them to redo those two trading days is there anything different about any of the other lawsuits think, that you mentioned yeah I think um the one I'm right now in the short term the most optimistic about is the Mark Basile one. I think that one is um, for release of data. He's representing a, a, an individual client, so it's not represent. It's not a class action, uh, and it's not representing everybody. However, by default, victory for that one client is actually potentially victory for every single investor. So that's why everybody is is watching this with a uh, bated breath because I believe Mark is directly negotiating. And speaking to FINRA, I think he may even be speaking directly to Congress. He'll probably be under, you know, NDAs or uh, obviously requirements not to disclose what's going on. Uh, it is ongoing. We do have a date in June for his case. Uh, and um, I think right now that that's the one that's giving the most optimism. Uh, however, I think um, the, the other cases are, in terms of uh, Richard and Rosa, there have been a little bit of setbacks, however, they are not over. So they will continue uh, in the form of appeals. Uh, but the, the most promising one right now, I think, it is the Mark Basile case, which um, we are watching. And um, hopefully, but one of the things that, um, in terms of what Finra are doing in his particular case, they are just asking for extra time. So he said, look, release the data and their response to the judges. We need to. We need more time. Well, why do you need more time? Well, mm. if you think about it, the reason why they need more time is to come up with an excuse for not releasing the data. We're not asking for money. <laughs> We're not asking for compensation. We're not asking for damages. We're just saying how many shorts were there? How many naked shares were they? What? Who? Who was doing the trading? You know, and uh, who were the buyers? Who were the sellers? Um, Etc. And everything else that we, it, it would be revealed. So they have asked for more time. I think it's two weeks uh, to come up with a defense of not releasing that because mm. at the end of the day, it's in the past. It's already happened. Yeah. 
why, why hide something that is not going to impact the market today? It's not yeah. going to impact the market today. So, well, I mean, I think I think the issue would be that it would, if you release this data and it's yeah. it's damning. Which it seems like it probably is, right? Yeah. Then, the, yeah. then, then the question becomes: so, right? Okay. So you did just hold mm -hmm. trading for to pr yeah. to protect the shorts, and that's right. Yeah. And then that that just plays into your theme. Like, I mean, I'm sure anyone who's who's been watching the GameStop saga um, will yeah. be like, "Oh, that sounds familiar." Um, yeah. You know, just protecting the the insiders. Um, anyone mm -hmm. that's been watching finance probably for like any any length of yeah. time will will recognize yeah. this and it really gets to the heart of something like i'm in the middle of um trying to finish this book about gamestop and at the minute oh, okay. yeah. at the minute yeah. i'm i'm sort of at the point where i need to uh, i'm like on i don't know the fifth edit or whatever yeah, I'm, yeah. Back, I'm back around to the point where i'm having to talk about naked shorts um yeah and i just it's staggering, isn't it? it it's yeah. I don't even have the words, right? Like, mm, how would you categorize or how would you like define or even like explain how you felt when you first realized that this was a practice that just sort of goes on, like without without penalty? Yeah, well, I think even where there have been penalties, they've been very, very um insignificant i think we look at the, the company that made probably one of the most amounts of money profit wise um in the previous accounting records was citadel uh, if you look at their i mean we're, we're looking at billions and billions of dollars in a year where which is the cost of living year which is the inflation year which is the year of of the war uh, and it's the year where we are probably in the closest to a, a recession where we you could say it's not officially a recession, mm -hmm. but it's almost a recession all but in name. So uh, obviously they, their, their profits have been record-breaking profits. So if you look at one of the reasons why, it's because uh, you look at the, the, the chart of almost every single penny stock out on the market, and, and look at their, let's say, two-year chart, one-year chart, you'll see a huge spike around about 2021 and then a huge decline to present period. Almost every single, not only the penny stocks, but uh, almost all bio stocks, almost all tech stocks. The only ones that are uh, probably immune mostly from that would probably be the S&P 500 and, and the mega cap stocks, but almost every single stock, that's what's happened. So that's a direct correlation between what's happened with all the stocks and the profits of Citadel. So I think that's what's wrong with the market. Uh, and uh, I watched the, I, I can't remember the the, the name of the, uh, the documentary now, but it was uh, showing an example where there was um, uh, a company involved in research for cancer and it had to go into liquidation uh, because the, the, the share price, price was just traded and ground down all the way to close to as zero as possible. Uh, and, you know, they, they were on, on the verge of, of working towards a treatment for cancer. And um, I think that company, their, their technology, their, their kind of ideas on cancer was bought by a European company locally. I think they are developing it, but um, that's just um, one example, and how many how many others are there like that where companies are being destroyed? You look at Mullen Automotive; it's just had a, a reverse, uh, had a, a stock split, and um, it's still getting hit 
to um, the, the cents. Um, I think it's trading probably at about 75, 80 cents right now. Uh, so it's a big problem, but I personally think it's it's a problem in the US markets. I don't think it's as big a problem in the European or the UK markets. It is certainly a big problem in um, the, the US markets. And until Congress acts, until the government does something about it, uh, I don't think we're going to see change. So um, uh, what we need is is probably from so, you know some some honesty from Congress really to to make that change. And when you have conflicts of interest, it makes it more difficult. And um, yeah, it's, it's it's not an easy battle. It's a huge battle. Um, but it's um, I mean, I, in your opinion, how how similar is what our story to? What you're researching is it with uh, GameStop and, and AMC? It's it's wildly similar, and and it's yeah. it's just it's just this story of 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 liquidity, of of mm-hmm. of like everything in the market serving the god of liquidity, right? Yeah. In the yeah. you know the 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 entire reason that market makers have the ability to constant to just like like magic shares out of thin air um say here you go there it is um and then fail to deliver on it is just it's yeah. all a function of you, you everything is about liquidity it's it's yeah. just that seems to be the only goal and that to me the, the 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 weird thing about that is that that means that price discovery doesn't happen yeah right yeah like i mean, obviously it does to a certain extent but like when there's infinite liquidity of everything whether that's cash yeah. from the federal reserve or stocks that you can buy or yeah. or or individual shares of, of a company that you can buy like then there is no real you can't get a real grasp on on what the real price of anything actually is and mm every single time like as because i see because there's websites like about about these these like over shorting of of things like there's the stop naked short short selling dot org like they, there's literally an entire website yeah. dedicated yeah, to going yeah. through yeah. cases mm-hmm. where sh- stocks have been oversold through because of greed yeah. and yeah. yeah and and it just i don't i i i i might have been looking at this for two years straight basically at this point and i'm still just stunned every single yeah. time i look yeah. at this yeah. and go yeah. no wow. but, like nobody in a position to regulate or legislate about any of this yeah seems yeah. to think yeah. this is a problem or is even aware that this is going on yeah. like and yeah. <laughs> do you know what the like do you find this actually sometimes when I'm talking to people about about yeah. about uh, GameStop or, or sometimes if I'd mentioned MMT TLP after I was like talking to Bird Lady Roller Pigeons about it, but yeah. I'll be like, yeah, so so there's like say X number, there's there's the hundred million shares are meant to exist of this company, but there's a hundred and forty million minimum in circulation, and they go, yeah. what? How mm. does that work? And you go, well, yeah. it's because it could be through share rehab, um, share or short rehab apothecation but most likely it's through this ability where market makers can just print shares and then not deliver on them and that's right and people don't believe me (laughs) yeah yeah. they think i've lost my mind when i try to explain this like do you have this problem 
Well, yeah, I think that, that you, you've identified a very uh, important point there. And I think one of the key differences between the GameStop and MMTLP is in MMTLP, the key and the biggest difference is that trading was supposed to stop and 165 million shares were supposed to go to approximately 64,000 investors. So if you follow the rules of trading, there should not be any synthetic shares. There should be any, should not be any counterfeit shares. And that's how it should have played out if it was following all the rules. And now we, you could say the U3 halt was designed to avoid proof of count shares, to avoid proof of naked shorting, to avoid the proof of um, fail to delivers. And uh, also, in my opinion, to avoid a squeeze. And I think the squeeze would have, in, in from certainly from the figures I, I've seen, it would have gone in excess of $1,000. And I think that's being a little bit conservative. Uh, however, we can't prove that because we were not given the two days of trading. We we we, ne we never saw them close their positions. Uh, but everybody who knew trading, who understood trading, knew that that was inevitable. Inevitable. However, the shares can't be reconciled now because what Finra said is to avoid uncertainty. We're coming up with a U three halt, and they've created the biggest mother of uncertainty in the history of uh, anything I've ever seen because. Mm -hmm. People have got, they cannot access the money now. They cannot, you know, even if, let's say, for example, you're in GameStop, you can still sell. You might be 80% down, 90% down, but you can still sell and get something. Investors here, some have invested a, a thousand, you know, dollars, some have invested 10, some have invested 50,000, some have invested 100,000. And I'm sure you're aware some have invested millions and millions and millions, and they cannot access a single dollar of that now. And that is, I think, the key difference. Uh, and that's why there is a very, very significant heartbreak uh, for many people. And many of them had very, very good lifestyles before. And all their money is now tied up um, in this since December. So uh, we're, we're, we're kind of around the six months mark now without an access to a single cent, never mind a single dollar, to a single cent. Um, so everybody accepts the risks. We all accept our, the risks. So nobody, not one single person would have complained if the squeeze never happened because the squeeze is down to market forces. And if the market forces and if everybody was wrong about, you know, the shorts and uh, there were no, all the shorts have previously closed their positions and we didn't know about it, mm -hmm. we, we, we wouldn't have no uh, complaints because, you know, the data is there showing that they closed but that never happened. Um, so uh, it's a case of who was really protected. That's that's the question, really. Yeah, and that's the ultimately the really sad question because it, it seems that the, the answer is always the system and, you know, not the rule of law, which yeah. um, seems like a really simple thing to one. You yeah. know, here's the rules, follow the rules, yeah. Break the rules, be punished. You know, that's you, right. Yeah. That's the. <laughs> it really is like the deeper you look at things like this, the more you realize that like the the financial world is just, it's just cowboys, you know. Yeah. And and yeah. yeah, 
Yeah, shocking. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, and and these, the, the, you know, they 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 buy all the media companies so that they that yeah. no one says shit about it. They no, refuse no. to advertise on the ones that they don't own that yeah. you know <laughs> that don't tow their line and you know therefore massively pump up the ones who do. Um, being yeah. that these are the most powerful institutions probably on the planet. Um, yeah. Some of them, at least, anyway. Mm. They, That's right. They buy off the politicians so they that do. no one reg- so no one regulates anything. And even if you get the odd one that comes in, they've bought yeah. enough of them to be like, calm down there. You know, yeah. all of the regulatory agencies are either, you know, self-regulatory or they're <laughs> stacked with former or future um, people from all of the, you know, the top levels of these institutions. And that's correct. Yeah. It, it's yeah. The, it's, the only um, thing we got left is these lawsuits. Yeah. For now, for now, I think, um, you know, the solution is it, for now is, is lawsuits. Um, I, I, because without the threat of lawsuits, uh, FINRA will not do anything. Um, uh, it's, it's the lawsuits and also pressure on Congress. So we need somebody from Congress to put pressure on FINRA, to put pressure on the SEC, and um, this needs to be settled. People need a solution. Um, And the vast majority of people, if you ask them what what the solution is and what they want, the vast majority of people um, are not really interested in a nominal value because whatever nominal value you come out with, it's not going to be agreed upon. So everybody wants... Two days of trading, shots close their positions, and whatever the market forces take the price to, that's what happens. People who choose to sell will sell. People who choose to hold and get the next bridge will get next bridge. So as close to that as possible. Now, one reason why that is possible is because the brokers still have all the shares in street name held. They've not been transferred with AST so uh, if they were transferred with AST they would not no longer be able to be traded um, easily certainly Uh, so in theory that is still possible with all the shares that are still held by the brokers Um, but it would require the SEC it would require Congress and it would require FINRA and it would require require Nextbridge Hydrocarbons for that to happen Uh, and um, I think that would be a solution that many people would would, would be happy with. Mm. Um, whether or not we get that I, as an ideal solution, I think in reality we may there may be some compromise. Uh, what that compromise is, we, we will have to wait and see. And I don't know. Yeah, yeah, we really will. Um, yeah. Anyway, before we finish, I did want to ask about Nvidia because um, yeah. I had mentioned it. So. Um, mm. Basically, NVIDIA is close to what I think it's a trillion dollar valuation now. Um, yeah, I think what, what, when the when the price was over four hundred dollars, it was very close to one trillion dollars uh, in terms of valuation, and I think it's been driven all, all by the AI. Mm. Uh, and in the previous video, I looked at fourteen catalysts, which um, which were well timed to drive that up into the four hundred. Um, the, the analyst price targets pushed everything up as well. Uh, to I think the highest analyst price target now for Nvidia is six hundred dollars, uh, and I think it, it is currently today. Last time I saw it, it was going through a little bit of a sell-off. But if you look at the chart, that is inevitable. I think that sell-off it just could not continue with those green candles um, as it was. So people were taking uh, were 
going to take profits. Uh, and it was a stock that I, I, I've held for more than a year. Uh, and I was in the red. And uh, I did sell yesterday uh, with around about 63% profit. And I certainly will consider buying back in. Um, hopefully, if it, it, you know, if it gets to a price that I'm happy with. Um, but um, in terms of the future, I think it is um, a tremendous company. I think it's got huge, huge revenue growth. It's uh, profitable, and I think whoever came out with ChatGPT, they they have just changed the world. They have transformed the world, and this has had a huge, huge impact. Most of the AI stocks are doing exceptionally well, uh, whilst the rest of the market is is suffering. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> yeah, I got to say, whoever come up with with, with Sam Altman and yeah. OpenAI, they they're really about to blow the world up. Um, although yeah. I read this amazing stat, right, that only 13% yeah. of the population in the U.S. have tried ChatGPT. So, like, all the people who are using it all the time for loads of yeah. stuff are, like, the, they're still the early adopters. They're still, like, the first few percent to really go for it. So, like, if anyone's already sitting there being like, oh, well, you know, everyone everyone's using it. There's no point. You know, it doesn't set me apart yeah. or anything. It's just like, yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. Like I'm already <laughs> using it to help me with timestamping my videos, uh, for yeah. writing summaries from podcasts, uh, for yeah. writing tweets based on the, the the summaries of the podcast. Like loads of stuff yeah. that I just hate doing, yeah. but I have to do. <laughs> yeah, it's a game changer. It really is, and um, and I think um, it's uh, it's good news for all the companies. It's good news for all the AI driven stocks because everybody's is is tagging onto it. Uh, Microsoft, Nvidia. Google, mm. um, you know, all the smaller, even the, the, the penny stocks such as, you know, AI, um, they're all benefiting immensely. And I think it could apply, it can be applied to many, many angles, including the medical sector as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, I think uh, from what I personally have seen, I think the biggest problem could be uh, along the lines of um, plagiarism uh, for the, especially for the academics, the universities, because um every it's 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 not traceable with the um current plagiarism software as far as i'm aware i think there are some out there but the, it's it's going, going to get harder and harder for the academics to to keep an eye on and, and, and keep tabs on on the um uh, the potential of it so um i think it will eventually lead to a change in education possibly more exams yeah. and less um coursework type uh, of assessment but um I, in terms of the benefits, I think the benefits certainly far outweigh all the problems, uh, and I think it is um, great, great. Um, I obviously development in 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 IT. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I hope I hope that I hope that people use it as a tool and not yeah. as um, not like a thing to like they see it as a tool, not something to replace people. Because I think yeah. that everyone's like, oh, well, you, we don't need writers now, and it's like, no, um, yeah. that's not yeah. quite how it works. Like. You're still going to want someone to present something interestingly, yeah. Um, yeah of course. Yeah, or you know, yeah. you, I don't know, just a bit yeah. of. A, I mean, these, I mean, I've seen these pictures of AI created human beings, and they look scarily real. And I'm thinking, wow, that's a real person, but apparently it's an AI generated person, and it, it's um, it's uh, very scary as well, um, yeah. because it's it's changing. Is I think it's probably going to have the biggest impact. Uh, in technology probably since um i would say tiktok you know <laughs> tiktok transformed everything as soon as that came on 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 the scene and i think it had the biggest 
uh, growth um, of a social media platform that I've ever seen as well. So I think um, similar with ChatGPT and uh, everybody getting on the bandwagon. Um, so NVIDIA has benefited from that. Uh, and uh, good luck to NVIDIA. Yeah, yeah. Well, sold company. They make uh, they make great stuff, like the processors mm. in this laptop. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and mine as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, man, yeah. it's it's been an absolute pleasure chatting. Uh, I really want to thank you for your time. Um, is yeah, there anything yeah. you want to plug before we before we finish up? Uh, no, yeah. Uh, just uh, if anybody's watching, go ahead and uh, check my video out where I do cover stocks such as Nvidia, MMTLP, Mullen Automotive, and, and others. And uh, obviously, if anybody, all the MMTLP investors, obviously, message for you. We're, we're not giving up the fight. I will be here until the end, uh, and um, we 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 will we'll get through this. So, um, good luck to everybody. Yeah, I fucking hope so. Good on you, man. Um, yeah. yeah, good luck to all MMTLP holders. I wish I could buy buy some, but yeah, as you mentioned, UK based, and I was late to the story. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Um, right. yeah thanks very much man right great hey everyone thanks for making it right the way to the end of the podcast i love that you tuned in this long do me a favor hit subscribe because 80 percent of you bastards are not subscribing but you're watching my videos see you next time